Rivalry week is here. Ohio State versus Michigan Saturday in Ann Arbor. Just the way we would have drawn it up. Ohio State is 11-0. Michigan is 11-0. The Big Ten East title is on the line. Likely a college football playoff berth is on the line. Truly, it's not hyperbole to say that there might never be another regular season game in college football as big as this one that we're about to watch this week. Because if this was next year with the 12-team playoff, Ohio State and Michigan at 11-0 would both already be locks to make the CFP. But this year, everything is on the line. And this edition of the game, certainly there have been a lot of really big games played between these two teams. But this year's game feels as big as it has ever been. Would you agree, Andy? I certainly would. Um, you know, I was alive. I was eight years old in 2006. Um, that would be the one that I, I think a lot of people might point to as being of similar stakes. But uh, I think in this era of college football and the way that, you know, Michigan has taken control of the rivalry in the last two years, you know, uh, beating Ohio State by the margins they did in 2021 and 2022. And you add on top of that, you know, the massive sign stealing stuff that's going on uh, over there. You know, it, it's there's a lot of other things that have built into this game. And, you know, like you just said, in terms of the college football playoff side of that, this is the last time I think ever that two 11 and 0 teams, unless it's a group of five teams, are going to be competing for a playoff spot in a game at the end of the season, you know, in the future, if a power five team goes, wins their first 11 games, they're going to get one of those 12 spots in all likelihood. So, you know, those debates and those big games are still going to happen a little further down the sport. When you talk about, you know, looking for the last couple spots in a 12 team playoff, but this is the last game of its kind in the regular season for college football. I think Dan, you, you hit that right on the head. You know, this is, the, win- the winner of this game is almost guaranteed a berth and will certainly be guaranteed a berth if they uh, beat Iowa with one of those four spots. And the loser is, unless some major chaos happens, probably left out and certainly left out of the Big Ten championship game. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, it's, you know, I've never felt more intensity going into a rivalry game than this one. Yeah, I mean, you think back to last year and – you know, at the time when Ohio State lost to Michigan, it was like, well, that's it. That's the season. And then Ohio State ended up backdooring its way into the CFP. But if you just look at the picture here with less than two weeks to go until Selection Sunday, you still got Georgia and Alabama, which if either of them wins out, they're going to be in. You got Washington and Oregon, which if either of them wins out, they're going to be in. You've got Florida State and Louisville, which, you know, I mean, I think, you know, Florida State obviously took a big hit this past weekend with uh, Jordan Travis suffering a season ending leg injury. But even so, if Florida State wins out, they're in. If, if Louisville wins out, they might be in because they, they, they only have one loss and they get a win over Florida State. And then you've got Texas with that, you know, one one loss in the Big 12. So uh, you, 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 you need a lot to happen if you're the loser of this game and certainly neither team is thinking about that right now uh because uh simply put i mean this game as it usually does as it certainly has over the last couple years is going to define ohio state season and that's why we usually start the show talking about a lot of what happened last week we're not going to spend much time talking about what happened against minnesota today because it's all been an appetizer to this game. And I don't really think that we learned a whole lot from that game on Saturday. I think we we went into that game saying, what did Ohio State need to do? They needed to win comfortably and they needed to get out of there without any major injuries. And that's exactly what they did. They, they, you know, didn't, they didn't quite dominate the first half, but ultimately pulled away in the second half to win 
37 to three. It was another dominant performance for the defense. Uh, you know, again, the, you know, offense was not the smoothest game early on, but ultimately Ohio State able to do what it needed to do on that side of a ball uh, to win comfortably. Uh, certainly, you know, a couple standouts in that game. Uh, Travion Henderson had another fantastic game. Uh, Jack Sawyer had the game of his career on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, those are those are two guys who could certainly play a big role this upcoming week as well. So certainly good to see, you know, those guys perform the way they did. But, you know, I, to me, you think about that game, the most important thing was you got through it. Uh, the team is looking, relatively speaking, going into week 12, really healthy. They, they didn't suffer any major injuries in that game. Uh, Mike Hall uh, told us on Monday that he expects to play this week after missing the Minnesota game. Uh, all indications are that Tommy Eichenberg will be back, even though he missed the Minnesota, Minnesota game. Uh, Leif and Ransom will be out uh, because uh, he he's he's out for the rest of a regular season with the injury he suffered against Wisconsin, and that's certainly a significant player to be without. But other than that, uh, it looks like Ohio State's going to have pretty much everybody available on Saturday, and, and that's certainly a good thing to have. Yeah, all bullets in the chamber, as Ryan Day said, right? And uh, that includes my call, who you talked to, um, you know, earlier this week. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's obviously important heading into this game. And it sounds like Michigan is in a similar scenario. Uh, you know, uh, they, they've indicated that the players that they had that missed time against Maryland, uh, whether that's tackle, starting left tackle with Darius Henderson, Miles Hinton, who was his backup, I uh, got hurt in that game, and then uh, Roman Wilson, their top receiver. It sounds like Jerome Moore is expecting all those guys to be back, and uh, it, I think that's how you want it in a rivalry game. You want in a game of this magnitude to have all those pieces, all those people available. You want both teams at their best. Now, obviously, Michigan won't have its head coach on the sideline uh, due to Jim Harbaugh's suspension. So that's this one area they'll be a little deficient in. You and I have talked about that before. I We, we don't think that makes a huge impact on the results of this game one way or the other. Uh, but I, it's it, it, the bottom line is this is a, an all-hands-on-deck type of environment, type of team on both sides of the ball. Uh, going back to the Minnesota game for a second, I, I did want to, you know, I, for me, I was impressed, impressed with Travion once again. Uh, I was impressed with the run game as a whole. I, I think it was kind of maybe an undervalued thing coming out of this game, just how consistent they were on the ground. A lot of runs that were three and four yards on first and second down to keep them on schedule for shorter third downs. Um, I, I think the run game has really picked up its consistency here lately. Had their highest yards per carry and highest total rushing yards of the season. And obviously Travion had a lot to do with that with 146 yards. But Chip Trainum and Dallin Hayden also put up solid numbers. So uh, I think that, and on top of that, Mecca Boca gets involved. You know, they go down as receptions, but you get him going with some jet sweeps and those kinds of runs are so important because it draws the eyes of linebackers who now can't flow as naturally. If you send that motion again and you end up just handing it off to Henderson, they have to respect the jet sweep pop pass that could come off of that. Uh, and I, so I thought that was really important for Ohio state to put on film and just kind of have a comprehensive performance in the running game. Yeah, I mean, we know running the ball is going to be important this week. I mean, you think back to the game in Ann Arbor two years ago where Ohio State uh, really couldn't do much at all running the ball and they couldn't stop the run and, and they got blown out. And so we know those two areas are going to be really Im important in this game. You know, we, we've talked about it off air about what we think some of the keys to this game are going to be this week. And when I think about the keys to this game, I start number one with, will Ohio State be able to consistently stop the run? Because certainly that's been a problem for Ohio State in the last two years in this game. A huge reason why they've lost this game the last two years is because they've allowed big plays on the ground. And this is a Michigan team that's going to run the ball a lot. They, they've run the ball over 45 times in each of their last two games. Uh, Penn State game's been well documented that Michigan ran the ball its last 32 consecutive offensive plays in that game. And so this is a team that 
will commit to the run. They're not going to be uh, afraid to do it. And, and, you know, you, you, you often hear Ryan day talk about, you know, the running game, wearing people out. That's what this Michigan team wants to do. They, they want to wear you out over the course of a game. And so this is going to be the biggest test of a year by far for Ohio state's run defense, which, has been good, but not necessarily spectacular. Ohio State ranks 21st in the country in in yards allowed per carry and per game. Uh, you know, certainly an area that Ohio State has improved in, and uh, you know, for the most part, has done a good job of of limiting opponents on the ground. But it's still the area that that stands out to me as you know, I I think it could swing the game. I, I think if Ohio State can stop the run i like ohio state's chances in this game because if you look at michigan's passing numbers over the last two games jj mccarthy has thrown only 201 combined yards over the last two games meanwhile ohio state leads the nation in passing yards allowed per game and per attempt and so i also have a lot more confidence in Ohio State's pass defense entering this game than I did last year. Because we saw last year, Ohio State's philosophy in last year's game was to try to take away the run game and force Michigan to beat them through the air. The problem was they had massive coverage busts that led to huge plays that broke the game open. And so... We've seen Ohio State do a tremendous job this year of limiting big plays on defense. And if, if they can do that, particularly in the passing game, and if, and if they can stop the run on first and second down and put Michigan in positions where Michigan has to make plays through the air, I think if I'd feel pretty good about Ohio State's chances this year. Now, granted, I mean, this is the biggest test of the year for Jim Knowles' defense. I mean, the defensive numbers were pretty good last year until Ohio State played Michigan, and then everything fell apart in that game. And so this is a huge test. But I do go into this game feeling a lot more confident in Ohio State's defense than I did a year ago. Right. Well, I, you know, I do think that the numbers this year are even better than they were last year entering this game. And I also think that, you know, the explosive plays throughout the course of last season, while they weren't killing Ohio State in any games, we saw issues kind of persist over the course of the season. And then they got cranked up to 11, both in that Michigan game and then the Georgia game in the college football playoff, right? And it was kind of the number one reason they lost both of those games. And very interesting talking to Jim Knowles throughout the course of this season of how it created a whole philosophy shift for him. Because I do think coming in from Oklahoma State, you look at the Big 12, and that is an offense-driven league. It made sense to run a hyper-aggressive defensive scheme because that sort of boomer bust thing works when you have other offenses that are going to score a lot of points your offense is going to score a lot of points so if you sell out to create a few stops create a few turnovers through really aggressive defense then that's enough to swing the game in your favor you come to ohio state and now you're facing teams with really good defenses on the other side of the ball you know um, michigan's defense last year was really good and you have to consistently hold on throughout the course of the game. And he's taken the approach of blitzing much less. I think the way certain positions play in this defense are different than last year, particularly defensive end, not attacking the line of scrimmage so much as playing gap sound, responsible football on a lot of plays. And it's because of the Michigan game in large part. So we've seen throughout the course of the year now, this defense successfully limit, uh, limit explosives. Only one play over 40 yards the entire season, Dan, against this team. They had five last year against Michigan that went over five, 40 yards, all for touchdowns. Famously back-to-back 75-yard-plus runs uh, at the end of that game from Donovan Edwards. I, I, it's, it, it's a big difference in the philosophy and in the uh, just – the production of this defense. And so that all leads me to say, you know, I think 
you can enter this game with a similar approach to what you just mentioned. Focus on stopping the run because it's clearly where Michigan's focus has been the last few weeks and where their offense has started the whole season. They're, they want to pound the rock. They want to establish the ground game. Uh, even if their own numbers are actually aren't that spectacular on the season, they're 50th both in rushing yards per game and yards per carry. But they run the ball so much it sets up other things, I think, and their defense then is able to help control games as well. But stopping the run is still my number one key to Ohio State's victory on Saturday for the reasons you just mentioned. And I think I trust them a lot more to do that, uh, both in terms of the way they've been able to prevent runs from breaking for 40 yards when runs do get through. And the secondary is much better than last year. Point blank, period. Number one pass defense and just on a player-to-player basis, even without Lathan Ransom, the secondary has been among the best in college football. And so you can trust them to not give up the big passing plays, put an extra defender in the box, and stop the run. So uh, I think the, the structure and the personnel of this defense both are better equipped than last year to get the job done in this game. Yeah, I'm going to be really interested to see how Ohio State plays this game schematically on defense because I do feel like they could go in with a similar game plan to what they had last year and execute it more successfully just because they're a better defense. Yet, you know, we've heard all year long about the philosophical changes of Jim Knowles. I think there have been clear changes in the way this defense is playing this year. So I don't expect Ohio State to go in and try to run back the same defensive game plan they had last year. I think it certainly will look different, but I think the, the fundamental elements of it are much more well-built for success in this game than where Ohio State was a year ago. I, I do think, looking at it from the other side, I, I do think that we need to be careful not to write off Michigan's passing game. Because if you look at this matchup going into last year, Michigan hadn't been putting up big numbers through the air last season either. Then J.J. McCarthy throws for 263 yards and three touchdowns against Ohio State. And so I think, you know, the numbers of the last two weeks aren't quite representative of this Michigan passing offense. I know J.J.'s been dealing with a leg injury, too, and I think that's probably had some impact on the lack of passing over the last couple of weeks. And if he's healthier this week, he might be capable of doing more. I mean, it was only a few weeks ago that people were talking about J.J. McCarthy as a potential Heisman winner. And so we don't want to suddenly write off the Michigan passing game because J.J. McCarthy's a very talented quarterback. Both as a passer and as a runner, he's a dangerous player. And so I would go into this game expecting Michigan's passing defense or passing offense to be better than it's been the last couple of weeks. But the one thing that I I do look at there is these last two weeks are the first time this year that Michigan has really had to play in close competitive games. And they haven't trusted the passing game in those situations. And so if this is a tight game in the fourth quarter, you know, if Ohio State has a one-score lead in the fourth quarter, will, will Michigan trust J.J. McCarthy to make the plays with the game on the line and and how capable will this Michigan offense be of delivering if they are in a position where they need to make big plays through the air to to win the game in the fourth quarter. And so I, I do look at it, you know, for that reason as a potential advantage, maybe the biggest advantage the Buckeyes have in this game that they might be able to exploit. And that's not, you know, it's not just, you know, oh, you know, J.J. McCarthy hasn't had big numbers the last week. And it's not, it's also not just Ohio State's DBs are better. You know, I think, you know, the, the, the tackle position is probably the question mark on Michigan's offensive line. And so can Ohio State, you know, get pressure up front, particularly off the edges? I think that's going to be, a really important thing for Ohio State in this game. We've seen JT Tuamolowau step up in big games before. Can he do it again? We saw Jack Sawyer just play the game of his life last week. 
can he play at that same level? If if those guys are at their best, I think that will also be a very good thing for Ohio State's chances of winning this game. Pressure beats coverage, Dan. You know, it's it's an adage I've heard ever since I was a young youth playing football. You know, that's a huge deal. If Ohio State can get after McCarthy, I, as great as their secondary has been, that's I think that's where really pass defense starts is being able to move the quarterback off his spot, force him to throw off platform, force him to throw under pressure, get a sack or two. Um, you know, you don't have to get the takedown to affect the play as long as you're forcing him to make plays off schedule and off platform, it's going to have an impact. And uh, I, I really think that Ohio State has an advantage if, like you said, JT Tuimoloau and Jack Sawyer are both playing to their best capable level in this game. I think they have an advantage on the edge. Michigan has two returning all Big Ten starters at guard. No knock against Trevor Keegan or Zach Center. Those are two fantastic players on the interior of their offensive line. But on the edges, they've had lapses this year. They had some uncertainty at the start of the year, exactly what the lineup was going to look like around those two pieces. And then I think that that's the place Ohio State can exploit in this game. I I really believe that uh, JT and Jack can get after McCarthy and really affect him uh, in, in this contest. And then pressure and coverage go hand in hand too. If you're not giving him time to work the ball downfield, then the secondary can step up and play more aggressive. Then you can focus a little more on the run uh, because you're not giving Michigan a chance to counter with those downfield shots against maybe a one-on-one coverage situation. So uh, I, I've, I also want to say though that – like you said, don't want to discount Michigan's passing game in this one. Uh, McCarthy on the year as the third best completion percentage in college football. He's been hurt the last two weeks, and I think his health status is going to be super important for this game. Exactly how good is that leg? Because if Ohio State is able to get pressure, then how well is he able to scramble and make things happen and create? So there's a lot of factors that are going to go into this passing game, and it's all going to start with stopping the run for Ohio State, but if Michigan can hurt you through the air, that sort of now you have to lighten up the box a little bit, right? So you have to stop the run, but then if you're going to make him one-dimensional, you can't let J.J. beat you with his arm either. And I do think he's shown at times throughout his career he's capable of that, showed it a little bit last year against Ohio State just with explosive plays. He really didn't have – fantastic numbers in terms of completion percentage in that game, but made big plays with his arm um, and scrambled in a couple of spots too. So containing and slowing that starts with JT and Jack taking advantage of what should be a matchup in Ohio State's favor on the edge. You've mentioned it all year. One question about this Ohio State defense has been kind of that lack of a true nose tackle in the middle. And and I think Zinter and Keegan are the best guards they're going to face all season. So I think that, that's a question mark area for this defense is just can they consistently hold up in the middle? Certainly, you know, if Mike Hall is in fact going to be back on Saturday, that's very important. You know, that, that trio of Tyleek Williams, Mike Hall, and Ty Hamilton, who I would imagine are going to play pretty much every snap at DT because they, they've been the ones who have played all the high leverage snaps this year. Uh, you know, this is going to be the biggest test of the year for them and, and how well they can hold up in interior run defense is going to be a major key to this game. But, but you know, Jim Knowles has consistently expressed a lot of confidence in those guys. He's consistently made the point of, you know, those guys, they're not just eating gaps. They're, they're, making plays and so certainly you know i think that's something that uh jim Knowles wants to see again this week is you know not just those guys being gap sound but he wants to see them make some plays at the line of scrimmage that puts michigan in bad spots yeah and you know i think one thing that i've seen over the course of the year is that ohio state seems to have the ability a to stop the run when they need to and b to 
well, again, limit the explosives on the ground. But those one-technique tackles have made plays over the course of the season. I think they've improved over the course of the season. It's not a glory position, right? That's You're getting you're battered every play, eating a lot of blocks, often double teams, often trying to just jam up the line of scrimmage for someone else to make a tackle. Now, when you can make the tackle yourself, that's an added bonus, and that's why Jim Knowles spoke to that and why it's such a huge upside for the defense when you have interior guys who can make plays like that. And also helps when Tyleek Williams has been as fantastic as he's been at three technique. Um, So I I think that Mike and Ty both have started to embrace that block-eating role a little more Focus on standing strong at the point of attack. Rutgers was the number one game that gave me concerns about the interior run defense, you know, most recently. We saw some chunks earlier in the season. They kind of rectified it a little bit, but Rutgers had some really nice runs with Kyle Manongai, who's a fantastic running back. Gavin Wimsat might be the best running quarterback they face all year. I think certainly more athletic than J.J. McCarthy just on that running side of things. J.J.'s a good athlete too, though. I mean, I J.J.'s a good athlete now, too. Now, again, but Gavin's, it depends on his health too. It depends on does he have yes. – is he healthy enough to really be a weapon of his legs? But you can't discount J.J.'s – and I think if you're – It's not a if discount. You're, if you're looking at a mix of running ability – with also having the ability to move the ball downfield, I think JJ presents the biggest threat they've faced all year in that regard. Because yes. Gavin, I mean, Gavin entered that game, I think, completing under 50% of his passes. So while I'd agree that Gavin is a better pure runner, I think JJ's ability to be a threat of his legs in addition to pass the ball makes him the biggest threat they've faced in that regard. Yeah. Well, what I obviously JJ is a better quarterback than Gavin and a bigger threat overall as a weapon. What, what I'm more speaking to is design runs and the way Rutgers was able to use a lot of RPO, a lot of zone read in that game. And really, it, I'm just just on a pure speed basis. Gavin's faster than JJ. Now, JJ, again, JJ's a fantastic athlete. And I don't want to discount his running ability and what it can provide for Michigan's offense. That's certainly something to watch for in this game. If he's healthy, again, the leg injury could make a big impact. My point being, though, that, that Rutgers game gave a lot of concern, again, on, well, how's this going to look against Michigan? They buckled down when they were in the red zone against Rutgers. We all know that. They still had their spots defending the run really well, but the ability of this defense to adjust in every other game they've played, every other game they've played, Penn State, Notre Dame did run it successfully at the end of the game, but most of that game, Ohio State was able to limit them very well on the ground. The other games that Ohio State has played where they've allowed some chunk games earlier, even Michigan State recently, early in the game, they adjusted and they found ways to counter that and found ways that maybe they weren't doing the right thing, gap integrity, filling windows as linebackers, whatever it is, and been able to counter what the offense is doing and then come out and stop the run. Uh, So that's another thing that's given me confidence is the ability of this defense to adjust to opposing running games as the games progress. And that's been true of the past defense too, but the past defense has mostly just been really sound all season, whereas the run game has had issues crop up in certain spots that do give you pause in this game when you talk about facing a Michigan uh, offensive line and running back with the experience and with the prestige that they have and as much as that team wants to pound the rock against you. Now, if we flip it to the other side of a ball, Michigan's defense is really, really good. Michigan is ranked both number one in the country in points and yards allowed per game. So uh, this is unquestionably going to be a massive test for Ohio State's offense. Uh, Defense is coming off probably its worst game of the year uh, from Michigan's perspective as they did allow Maryland to score 24 points. Before that, Michigan had not allowed any opponent to score more than 15 points but you know this is an Ohio State offense that we've seen this year has not consistently put up the big numbers that we've seen from past 
Ryan Day teams. If you look at it over the course of a season, this is an Ohio State offense that has been held to 24 or fewer points in four games this season, including its two other games that are comparable to this one, those being the Notre Dame and Penn State game. My first question on that regard for you, Andy, is how many points do you think Ohio State is going to need to win this game? Well, um, we can get into my score prediction later. I could see a scenario where they only need 20 points to win this game, Dan. I think that their defense, there's a scenario where their defense, you know, hasn't allowed more than 17 all season and that trend holds up. I think that if you're able to stop the run game, if JJ McCarthy isn't a hundred percent, if the secondary plays the way it has all season, you could hold Michigan to three scores or less here. And that then allows you like I said, to win despite having maybe an offensive day that isn't world beating, um, but does enough. You know, I I think there's a that's that's a scenario. How what do I think is likely? Probably in the mid high twenties or even thirty points is definitely another case that I see playing out in this game. But I, both of these teams, you look at their biggest games of the year. Michigan's really just had one with Penn State. Ohio State has had Notre Dame and Penn State. In all three of those games total, Michigan, Ohio State, the opponent they played scored 24 points or less. So these are two teams that have won big games, been in big games with very low scoring goals. And so that is going to that, – that, that's the likely scenario I see playing out on Saturday. Um, though I could also see just with the rivalry game and a full season of development, both teams getting into the 20s and then Ohio State needs more of a high 20 to come out with a victory in this game. I said 30 a moment ago. The more I think about it, I, I don't, I'm not even sure there's a likely scenario where they're going to give up 30 points to Michigan. And it's going to be tough for them to score 30 anyway. So for me, I think Ohio State might be able to win this game hitting 20 exactly. I likely probably need the mid-high 20s. Yeah, I mean, certainly your your goal is going to be to score in at least the 30s. I mean, if you look at this the history of this game, if you look at the last nine games these teams have played, the winning team has scored at least 30 points. And so certainly I think that's your goal. But I'm with you in the sense that I would not predict that either team is going to reach 30 points on Saturday. And I think it, it's very possible that neither team scores more than, than 20 points. I, I don't, you know, I, I can't sit here and confidently say I think 20 points wins the game for Ohio State. You know, like you said, it's it's a rivalry game. You mean both teams are going to be throwing everything at the wall. Uh, I mean, both defenses are fantastic. I mean, Michigan's defense ranks number one in the country in points per game. Ohio State's defense ranks number two in the country in points per game. So you you definitely expect a low-scoring game here on paper. And given what we've seen from both these teams in big games, I'd be surprised if it's not a defensive slugfest kind of game. But you also know that you know this is the biggest test of the year for both of these defenses. So uh, you know I, I tend to think that both teams are going to score somewhere in the twenties here in this game, and it's probably going to be one of those one score kind of games that comes down to which team can make one more play near the end of the game. But certainly, you know, for Ohio State's offense, you know, it's, it's, it's such a different look at this game than where we were the last couple of years, because, you know, in the past couple of years, the, the, the defense has been the big question about this team. And the offense has been the strength of the team and you know this year it's been the opposite yet if you look at the last two years yeah the defense played poorly for Ohio State in those games but Ohio State also only scored 27 and 23 points in those games so that was a factor in both of those games too is Ohio State's offense did not execute the way it had been uh, in the rest of the season going into those games and so you know, that can't happen this year. The, 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 the offense cannot underperform what it's done this year because if it does, it's not going to be a good day for the offense. And so you have to go into this game with hopes of overperforming what you've done in other big games this year because you might need that. The, the question then becomes, is Ohio State 
capable of that. And I, I think Ohio State is capable of that. I mean, the, the, the good news for the Buckeyes is they are now back to full strength on offense. Travion Henderson, as we mentioned, is playing great. The running game seems to be finding some momentum. Emeka Buka looks healthy after you know his first couple of games back. He did not look like himself. Marvin Harrison Jr. is Marvin Harrison Jr. He can take over a game at any time. And Kate Stover has been uh, the most productive receiving tight end we've seen from Ohio State in a long time. And so all the weapons are there to where this is going to be the toughest test Michigan's defense has faced all year. And if everything comes together for Ohio State, it's certainly possible that we see this offense get into another gear here and, and score a very Im- impressive number of points against a defense that has stifled pretty much everyone it's played. I think a lot of that is going to come down to the two areas that have been the biggest question marks for this team all season. One being the offensive line, which we've already talked about a good amount, and the ever being Kyle McCord. And Kyle McCord, it's, it's been an up and down year for him. He is not CJ Stroud. He's not Justin Fields, he's not Dwayne Haskins. We have seen some really good play from him at times. We've also seen times where he has not been that sharp. I think, you know, two weeks ago against Michigan State was probably his best game so far as Ohio State starting quarterback. This past week against Minnesota wasn't quite as strong. And so what exactly is Ohio State going to get from Kyle McCord on Saturday? I think that is going to be a extremely important factor in this game. And I I think the number one most important factor for Kyle is you can't make costly mistakes because you you can even think back to this game this past week. Yeah, he didn't turn the ball over, but there was at least one time where he got away with a a bad pass that if he threw it in this game, it probably does get picked off. I mean, even if you go back to his signature moment of the season, which was his drive against Notre Dame, he almost threw a game ceiling pick on that drive. And so, I think that's where a lot of this starts here of Kyle McCord is he he has to make smart decisions all day. He cannot make costly mistakes that could potentially swing this game the other way. Right. And, you know, it's about consistency with him and the footwork, uh, as Ryan Day talked about, the mechanics, making sure you're on point with every throw. It's not just, you know, obviously that's the biggest thing in the in a game like this of this magnitude is take care of the football. One turnover uh, can swing this entire game. But it's also, I, I think he needs to hit the open throws, the gimmies, all of them that he gets. You know, we've seen him in games this year, a lot of games this year. And I think Minnesota was another example, have some really spectacular throws he makes where you, he drops it right into the bucket on the sideline to somebody or he has a perfect back shoulder ball, but then he'll miss an open target in certain scenarios or completely sail a pass over someone's head uh, when it would have given them a shot to make a play. I, he's got to take what's given to him. He's got to be able to capitalize on the opportunities of wide open receivers so to keep this offense on schedule and moving down the field also needs to be better under pressure. You know, uh, we, we were sent some numbers by our fellow, our coworker, Garrick Hodge earlier this week, just talking about how McCord's numbers when he is, has a clean pocket and when he's under pressure drop off really badly. And obviously keeping him clean is important for the offensive line, but I, there, he needs to make a couple plays under pressure against a really good defense in this game. He's going to come under duress at different times, and you have to be able to stand in there and deliver a good ball if the blitz is in your face. If a defensive lineman beats your, you know, beats Josh Schreier off the edge, you have to be ready to make a play under pressure in this game too. So I think that's going to be important for Kyle as well. Um, as you mentioned, the offensive line so pivotal in this game. Michigan's defensive front is a really good one. They're they're going to have to protect Kyle and also try to get some movement, try to get some space for Travion in this game. You want to wear on the defense enough with him throughout the game to where he hits a home run at some point. I think that's another important part of this is you look at Travion has made big plays in most 
of Ohio State's biggest successful offensive performances this season. And, you know, he made a huge touchdown run against Notre Dame that helped them ultimately win that game. He was out against Penn State, but he had uh, his reception against Rutgers was a pivotal play that, you know, the takes underneath and then goes 60 plus yards up the field there. So he's going to have to break one at one point in this game. If the offense wants to play up to the caliber, it wants to, while also getting some consistent chunks that starts up front and uh, you got to give him room to work. So uh, it, like you said, same two keys. It's been all season, same two top concerns we've had all season for this Ohio state offense and team in general, it comes down to the offensive line and can Kyle McCord be at his very best and take care of the football in this in this game. Yeah, just to specifically highlight those numbers, which came from Pro Football Focus, Kyle McCord this year in a clean pocket has completed 72.7% of his passes for 10.3 yards per attempt with 20 touchdowns and two interceptions. Under pressure, he's completed 38% of his passes for four yards per attempt with two touchdowns and two interceptions. So that is a massive difference, and it speaks to how important pass protection is going to be for Ohio State in this game against a defense that certainly can get after the quarterback. But, you know, it also, some of that falls just falls on Kyle, too. Like, in a game like this, you're not going to have all day to throw. Like, it's you're, you're not. If his defense is too good. So Kyle is going to have to be able to make some plays under pressure that he hasn't made this year. It's at that's uh, just, you know, the long and short of it there, but you know, you do make the point with Travion Henderson and it's, you know, worth remembering that Travion Henderson did not play in this game last year. And we we've certainly seen in the second half of this season, since Travion came back from his injury, just how much of a difference maker, a healthy Travion Henderson can be. And so that's certainly something uh, that, that plays to Ohio State's advantage that it didn't have last year in the sense that, you know, Travion has that ability to make a game-breaking play at any time. He has the ability that you can defend to play well, and he can still turn it into a huge play because he's so explosive and, and so shifty. And so you you talk about potential advantages for Ohio State in this game. You know, and the number one I go back to is I think their passing defense is better than Michigan's passing offense. The second one is Ohio State has more game breakers in this game. You know, you know, run, running backs, obviously Michigan has two really talented running backs in Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. We saw Donovan Edwards be that kind of game changer in last year's game. So not saying Michigan doesn't have that out of a backfield because they certainly do. But Michigan does not have a Marvin Harrison Jr. Michigan does not have an Emeka Abuka. And so Ohio State's weapons, you know, Kyle has to do a good job of managing the game. His weapons have to make some plays happen. They, they, you know, obviously you expect a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. in what's going to be his last game against Michigan to 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 do something special. But all those guys collectively, regardless of who it is, they need their playmakers to make some plays against a really good defense. Throw Kate Stover into that bunch too. I mean, I, I think this is considering he dropped a big touchdown pass in last year's game, a well-contested one, but still a drop. He needs, he's going to be motivated to come out and win this game as, as one of the leaders of this team. I, I think there should be a lot of motivation for Cade to put on one of his better performances as a Buckeye and a, a guy that can always provide a change-up to what Marvin and Emeka do for a defense, right? And I, I think that including him will be part of Ohio State's game plan for that reason on Saturday because uh, I, I would not be surprised to again see Marvin back bracketed in this game. Uh, and the other thing too is this is the time, and it doesn't even need repeating, but this is the time for Ryan Day and Brian Hartline to get together and come up with the most inventive, best game plan they have all season. Find creative ways to get Marvin Harrison Jr. the football. Move him around formations. Put him in the slot. Put him outside. Use motion. Hell, even give him a, a running play or two like we've seen at points this year. The, uh, the Find inventive ways to get him the football and uh, you, utilize a mecca to Cade Stover change of pace, like I said. And, uh, 
whatever you have been saving, whatever you have been working on, whatever has been your best stuff, rely on those things and uh, scheme things open. You know, don't don't rely on just lining up and beating the team across from you. Um, and I'm sure they know that. Obviously, you don't need to inform a coach of any of that stuff. But uh, this is the game to see the best game plan that those two can come up with. Michigan's going to try and do the same thing on the other side. Uh, even without Jim Harbaugh, he'll be involved in the schematics and the game planning all week. But this is, uh, I- I'm very curious to see the ways that they get those playmakers. You mentioned, Dan, some space in this game and utilize them in unique ways uh, to generate offense. Yeah. And to your point about Marv, I mean, you look at Marv's numbers this year, there's been a very dichotomy between Marv's good games and his bad games. Marv has topped 100 yards in seven of his 11 games this year. In the other three, he's had 30, or other four, excuse me, he's had 32 or less. This can't be the fifth game where he has 32 yards or less. You have to get Marvin Harrison Jr. involved in this game. I'll I'll say this. If if Marvin Harrison Jr. has 32 yards or less, I don't think Ohio State wins this game. Yeah, they've won some games with him not being a huge factor in other games, but this is a different level. This is the best defense in the country. And so I, I think... Marvin Harrison Jr., I, I think, you know, like you said, Michigan is going to try to take Marvin Harrison Jr. out of a game. And Ohio State has other guys who can make plays. So you don't necessarily have to force feed Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, you, 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 you want Kyle McCord to take what else is available. And if they commit a lot of resources to trying to stop Marvin Harrison Jr., that's going to open some other things up. But Marvin's still got to make some plays in this game. You have to get Marvin involved. You can't allow the defense to just choose to take Marvin out of a game. You have to make sure you are finding ways to utilize that elite talent that you have. Get him the ball early in some fashion. I mean, do a screen, do a crossing route, do some easy completion just to get his hands on the football and get him settled into this game. I think it should be a goal of theirs to get Marvin to touch the ball on a successful play once in the first drive uh, that they have in this game, you know, because if you can direct that focus to him, if he does start drawing those double teams or if, you know, he's getting them early even and you get him the ball and prove that it's worth it, now. That opens up the field for everyone else. So uh, I getting him the ball is going to be pivotal uh, in this one, Dan. So talking about other keys to the game, do you, do you see anything else here uh, in the in this game that could swing it, Dan? What, what's your perspective on, uh, on some other keys, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about most of them. I mean, I think Ohio State, they've, they've got to be able to stop the run, and they can't give up big plays on defense, on the offense. Uh, the the offensive line has got to perform at its best, and Kyle McCord needs to be sharp. And then certainly the third phase of the game as well, special teams uh, is an area that's drawn a lot of scrutiny for Ohio State this year, and this is why. This is why there's been so much talk about special teams miscues, because this is the game where if Ohio State makes a key mistake on special teams, it could swing the game to Michigan. And so I think, you know, that that's the other uh, certainly factor you look for in this game is, uh, you know, I mean, it would be great if Ohio State could make a big play of its own on special teams, but it doesn't necessarily need that. But it can't allow Michigan to make a big play against it on special teams. Right. I I think special teams blunders are one of the things that could swing this game. And they're always something when you're talking and prognosticating about a football game, you often forget about special teams. Uh, But the way that it's been handled the past couple seasons, and you you remember just going back to last year, Ohio State, Michigan admitted it afterward, had – had Michigan dead to rights on a fake punt in this game last year, and it ends up getting there. There's a miscommunication or just a bad snap, perhaps. It, it snapped to the punter instead of the up back at Ohio State has to boot it away. Had him on that fake. And uh, it was, you know, those special teams miscues, we've seen them play out over the course of this year. Even last week against Minnesota, Jaden Ballard fails to catch two punts that bounce and roll 50 plus yards and put Ohio state at the three yard line to start its drives. Like those little things too, field position. And, you know, again, like you said, it's not that Ohio state needs to block a punt in this game or uh, return one for a touchdown or anything huge, but just don't 
have it negatively impact your offense and your defense. Fair catch those punts that are available that are going to bounce an extra 10 yards, you know? Um, don't have costly penalties on in the return game or in the punt game, you know, or in, in other areas. They just give up free field position on offense or defense. So to me, I think that's an underrated key to this is that there's no major special teams blunders for Ohio State. The other thing I want to mention is penalties. Uh, you're on the road, most hostile environment you've played at at least since Notre Dame and probably all season there in the big house, you need to avoid the false starts, the mental errors. Uh, last year, you know, famously saw G Scott have a really costly penalty in this game because he headbutted someone after a play. Certainly that kind of thing can't happen. And, I, and I'm sure G has learned from that experience. We've, we've talked to him since then, but you, you can't have things like that go wrong too. Generally mental errors are something that cannot happen in a game like this because it's just giving the other team success by doing nothing you know so that that's how uh that those are that's another key for me is that ohio state can't have costly penalties uh in ann arbor yeah you can't have unforced errors in this game i mean this is michigan is going to make it hard enough on you 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 can't make your own mistakes you can't beat yourself and so certainly penalties are going to be big Turnovers are going to be big. I mean, I mean, in a game like this, oftentimes the team that wins the turnover, turnover battle is the team that wins the game. And, you know, you'd love to see the defense force a couple turnovers that help swing this game, that give your offense some help against a, a really good defense. But I think the most important thing is you can't shoot yourself in the foot and make uh, those costly kind of mistakes, which, you know, as you mentioned, tend to happen more often when you're playing in a hostile environment on the road. But good thing for Ohio State is, you know, they have big game experience already to draw on this season. I think this right now is where you're really glad you played that game against Notre Dame in September, because that gave you a taste of when you're on the brink of defeat on the road in a hostile environment. Can you make the plays you need to make to find a way to win this game? And Ohio State did that against Notre Dame. Penn State, that game was obviously at home. But Ohio State, again, they had to grind it out. Their offense never really got going against a really good Penn State defense. But Ohio State found a way to win that game. And I think the fact that we've seen Ohio State do that in two games this year against you know really good teams not as good as Michigan but Michigan again the best team Michigan has played is Penn State you know and and Michigan had a similar kind of battle game against Penn State and so I think the fact that we've seen Ohio State already have two of these matchup kind of games this year as Ryan Day and Jim Knowles call them and they found a way to win in those games gives you confidence that if Ohio State's in another one of those kind of games in the fourth quarter, which I think is certainly what we both expect out of this game, that Ohio State can make the plays it needs to make to find a way to win. I mean, the problem the last two years is Ohio State hasn't even allowed itself to be in that position because it's allowed the game to get away from it. Uh, that, that cannot happen. You cannot give up the big kind of plays that you've had the last couple of years and allow the game to get away from you. You, you, if it, this is a game, it's going to have ebbs and flows, you know, there's going to be a point in this game. It could be the first quarter. It could be midway through the fourth quarter. There's going to be a point in this game where things aren't looking good for Ohio state and the vocal fans on Twitter are going to be ready to fire everybody. Like that's going to happen in this game. Like that's the kind of game this is most likely. This is not going to be the kind of game that Ohio state's going to walk in there on the road against a top three team in the country and roll to a victory. There are probably going to be some tense moments in this game, but this then becomes a test of Ohio state's resolve, a test of everything they've worked on for the past year to try to win this game. Can they handle those high pressure moments can they get the job done we really aren't going to know until the it actually happens on saturday you know and that and that's why when we when we start getting into score predictions here for how this game might play out on saturday 
I mean, I am very much in a place right now where I'm 50-50 on, on how this game could play out because, uh, you know, we've, we've seen both these teams play at a really high level all year, but now, you know, this, this is the ultimate test. I mean, Ohio State was 11-0 and and its defense had been a lot better going into the game last year. And then we saw what happened in that game. And so, you know, the shoe's on the other foot now. It was a few years ago, it was like Ohio State controlled this rivalry and, and Michigan was the team that had to prove it could win in this game. And now we've seen that totally flip to where now Ryan Day and Ohio State are the team that's got to go in and, and, and prove that they can win this game. But, you know, if we had done this podcast two or three weeks ago, I probably would have picked Michigan to win this game. But based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks, Michigan has looked more beatable, in my opinion, uh, because of you know some of the issues they've had in the passing game. I don't really put much stock at all into the the, the coaching stuff and the off-field stuff when we're talking about this game. I don't really think that's going to have much impact on this game, other than the fact that you know Michigan presumably is not going to have the kind of sign stealing advantages that it may have had in the last couple years' games. But in terms of just focusing in on this year's game, I, I don't think that that is going to have too much of an impact. But I, I think this Ohio State team is is well equipped to win this kind of game, this four quarter battle, potential defensive slugfest kind of game. We've seen Ohio State prove over and over again that it can win this kind of game this year. A lot of it's going to come down to how well Kyle McCord plays, how well the offensive line plays. Uh, you know, you, Ohio State's offense is going to have to make some key plays in this game for Ohio State to win. And I do think for me, that is somewhat a bigger question going into this game than Ohio State's defense. But I'm going to say, you know, my, my official score prediction, I'm going to go Ohio State 24, Michigan 20. I think Ohio State finds a way in a, in a low-scoring kind of game uh, to score one more touchdown than Michigan does and come away with a win. Our scores are pretty close. For me, I have total faith in the Ohio State defense in this one to mostly limit Michigan. Uh, Michigan has enough pieces whether that's on the O-line, McCarthy, Blake Corum. Uh, Donovan Edwards hasn't been good this year. We're really good running the ball. He's been a help weapon for them a little bit in the passing game, but he's averaging less than three and a half yards per carry right now. Um, and I think they're going to rely more heavily on Blake Corum this year. Then again, you know, obviously Donovan had the best game of his career against Ohio State last year, so we'll see. But I think between Blake Corum, uh, McCarthy, and some of the pieces they have up front, they're going to make some plays, but... Overall, my faith is in this Ohio State defense to dictate the game, similar to how it did against Penn State. And again, I don't expect Michigan to put up the numbers Penn State did against Ohio State. You know, the whole one of 16 on third down thing. I don't think that's going to happen. But this game is also going to come down to those types of situations, whether it's third down, red zone, fourth down. And how do you win those moments? So I think between Ohio State's defense and how consistent and how good it's been throughout the year, they then have enough playmakers, more playmakers than Michigan does on offense to where I think there's going to be some drives in this game where the offense doesn't look good for Ohio State. They're going to go three and out, I think, multiple times. But when you have Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Booker and Kate Stover and Travion Henderson, they're, they're going to hit some home runs. They're going to have drives where those guys string plays together. And that will create enough offense with an inventive game plan, as I said, from Ryan Day and Brian Hartline. And, and, you know, in some of the biggest games of Ryan's career, he's come up with some fantastic game plans. I mean, you look at the Georgia game last year as a prime example, even though they lost, um, had a fantastic way to attack what was, you know, the best defense in the country. So for me, I have Ohio State 24, Michigan 17. Again, only three points different from yours. But I, I think that that's just... Ohio State has a seven-point difference in playmakers in this game uh, between two really good defenses uh, that, that are going to dictate a slugfest on Saturday. And uh, I think for Ohio State, it doesn't matter if you win by one point or 30 in this game. 
it's it's everything this year. You know, everything else pales in comparison to the stakes of this game. And we said that going in this to this year before we knew it would be both teams eleven and zero. Tons of scandal around Michigan, you know, Big Ten title on the line, the way they've usurped this rivalry, you know, th- you knew this was the game. As much as you say that every year, it's the game. This was the game for Ohio State this year. And so uh, I, I'm sure Ryan Day would take a 24-20 win as much as he would 50 to nothing. So that's my score, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you win this game. It just matters that you do win this game. And, and like I said before, I mean, this is a r- weird things can happen in, in rivalry games. And so, you know, if, if it ends up being a higher scoring game of that on both sides, like nothing, nothing will shock me in this game just because, you know, it, it's such a different game than every other game that's been played up to this point. But like you said, I mean, at the end of the day, this all comes down to does Ohio State win the game, period. Nothing, nothing else matters. And the reality is when we're back here next week, way we're, the way we are talking about not only this game, but this entire season and the state of the entire program is going to be dictated by whether Ohio State wins or loses this game on Saturday. That, that's a lot to put in to one game. And it, it may not be totally fair for this one game, to be a referendum on Ryan Day as Ohio State's head coach. But it's going to be. That's just the reality of the situation, is that if Ohio State wins this game, I said they're going to be huge favorites in the Big Ten Championship game. They're going to be pretty much a lock to make the college football playoff. And I think Ryan Day is going to be a very popular man in Columbus again because a lot of Ohio State fans, again, fair or not, no, no, I totally agree with this, but I know it's out there. That if, if Ohio State wins this game, a lot of Ohio State fans are going to say, well, the last two don't really count because Michigan was cheating. And so now we're back on a level playing field. We beat them. And Ohio State fans are certainly going to have the bragging rights in this rivalry once again. If Michigan wins, they're going to say, well, Michigan didn't have Connor Stallions. It didn't even have Jim Harbaugh. And it beat Ohio State. What's your excuse now? And so uh, that that's just the reality of it. I mean, Michigan is a fantastic team. They are, in my mind, clearly a top three team in the country. Could be the best team in the country. But this is what it comes down to when it, it, it's Ohio State football. Is They talk about it every year. What's the number one goal for the season? Beat Michigan. The second and third goals are win the Big Ten Championship and win the National Championship. And Ohio State probably isn't accomplishing either of those two if it doesn't beat Michigan. And so this is it, Andy. I mean, it, it doesn't get any bigger than this. And I, you know, we don't know how it's going to play out, but I do know that we're really looking forward to being there in Ann Arbor and covering it on Saturday, because like I said, I, I, this is, it it feels like a very historic game, not just in, in the context of this season, but in the sense that college football is about to change in a big way next year. This is, this is kind of the last, quote unquote, normal week of a college football regular season before things take on a different look next year. And, you know, I'm personally in the camp. I'm excited for the future of college football. I'm excited to see what it all looks like next year. I think maybe you are maybe not as much in that camp as I am in terms of breaking from what college football has traditionally been. But I feel like regardless of where you sit on that spectrum, like we all need to appreciate this one because things are going to look a little bit different next year for better or for worse. And it doesn't get any bigger than this. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, I think we both appreciate the fact that, you know, this is the biggest game of the year in college football. And, and we are among those who have the privilege to cover it. And so uh, we're certainly going to do the best job we can uh, for 11 Warriors, win or lose, uh, to try to cover this game uh, the, the best possible way we can and, uh, you know, try to uh, be as thorough and comprehensive of our coverage of it as we can be. And, and we certainly hope that uh, you all uh, read and listen and, and enjoy whatever we put out there. Yeah, regardless of where you sit on the spectrum, like you said, and, you know, we can we can have the four versus 12 versus eight versus whatever playoff debate on a different day. We got plenty um, of time for that. <laughs> plenty of time for that. The offseason will be long, as it always is. This is a game that is the last of its kind. 
uh, in terms of the regular season, you know, at the top of the sport, 11 and 0 with national title implications at the very end of the year, a national title eliminator, essentially, um, unless, you know, some major chaos happens. And with Ryan Day, this is a complete swing on the pendulum. You know, he could lose to Iowa in the Big Ten championship game and then lose a what the college football playoff or the bowl game after that and i think fans would still consider it a successful season if he wins this game i think that's how important this game is to everyone and if he loses this game it doesn't matter what he does afterward even if unless they backdoor in and win a national title from there that would be the only thing that would rectify losing this game i think in the fan base's eyes um he's going to be viewed for a while as the next john cooper as this as that Fair or not, and you know I don't paint him in that light, but it's it's just the the nature of the beast with this fan base. For me, you know, it's important on Saturdays. We we've talked about it before. How big of a fan we both are of Biggie. On Saturdays, I have a tradition where I like to throw in some headphones, or, or I'm in the car maybe, and I put it on the radio. The song "Juicy" by Biggie. And I uh, kind of nod my head along and mouth the words and just take some deep breaths and look around at where I'm at. And, uh, you know, days like Saturday are the whole reason I chose this career, you know, or not the whole reason, but a, bi- a big part of it. And, uh, you know, I, I love this job and I am going to make sure to take a few minutes with, with Biggie and, and soak it all in uh, this Saturday. I was not expecting a a, a biggie turn here at, at the end of a show, but I guess I should have known better with Andy. It's a little personal note, you know? Yeah. Uh, I will say I, I think a loss to Iowa would be a tough pill to swallow, but we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge next week when we come to it one way or another, because you can't look ahead right now. Right now, it's all about Ohio State versus Michigan. This is what matters. This is the season right here this Saturday. And uh, you're certainly right that no matter what happens from this point forward, this is going to be the game, the thing that defines this season and that, uh, you know, Ryan Day is probably most remembered for in in terms of this season. And so, yeah, it it doesn't get any bigger than this. And we're certainly uh, looking forward to covering it. Uh, you sure whether you will be in Ann Arbor or watching the game on Fox that you are looking forward to watching it. Uh, so we certainly want to uh, thank you all for listening into this week's show. Uh, wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving out there. And uh, perhaps more importantly, if you're an Ohio State fan, a happy rivalry week because nothing against Thanksgiving, but it kind of feels like the appetizer this week for uh, the big game on Saturday. And so we're again, once again, looking forward to being there in Ann Arbor. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll catch up with you again next week.